Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony, we are back at it again. It's good to be online with you. I wish it was in person, but it's good to talk to you online. So how are things going? Things are going well. So it's uh, continuing life of COVID. So I feel like things are going exactly the same as they're any other moment. How about you? <laughs> uh, it's, it's going, you know, fairly well. Um, in some ways, things are, are getting back to normal, certainly uh, compared to last year at this time. But um, so thankful for that. But there's still a whole lot that's, that's not back to normal. So hey, baseball's do look coming forward back. To, what's that? I said baseball's coming back. Yes, it is. I'm excited about that, and I've been been tracking that a little bit. I, these days, I don't watch baseball uh, much at all, uh, just because of all the cable deals and stuff like that. I don't have cable or pay for any kind of streaming things, uh, all that newfangled sorcery on the internet. But uh, I do look forward to seeing baseball when it comes back, which is it's a good segue. Uh, I saw the other day that the country and Western singer that had died uh, within the past year because of COVID related complications, Charlie pride. Uh, he was an African American country singer, which it's just hard for me to get my mind around. Like I'm not really a big, well, I'm not, it's not that I'm not really, I'm not a country kind of guy, even though I'm from the South, but that seems like one of the whitest kind of things like that in NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, but Charlie pride is in the music hall of fame, the country music hall of fame or something. And he also played professional or semi-professional baseball. He never made it to the big leagues, uh, but he was part owner of the Texas Rangers. Wow. And, uh, cause he just always still had a love for baseball, had the resources to be in a group that bought the Rangers. And, uh, after his death, now as this, the season's getting going, the team named their, um, their spring training field, after him they they dedicated the field to him nice uh, which it's an interesting terminology when you you dedicate something to, like this i don't fully get what that means using that terminology but it has been dedicated uh to charlie pride now have you ever dedicated something that was important to you like i've heard of people having house dedications and uh, i know like in the old testament they dedicated the temple stuff like that I had my kids dedicated to the Lord, but uh, apart from that, and I mean, not that I can think of. So, okay, dedicate your your car or whatever. Um, well, that's yeah. I think the only thing that I really have done was uh, I've participated in in uh, dedication things involving my children. Uh, my and that's sister what we were has dedicated today. my um, sister. My sister in law has dedicated her car. Uh, she officially called it uh, as a car that she used to have. Uh, yeah, she had a name for it. So, anyway, <laughs> so my sister actually names her car. She just bought a new car recently. I forget the name of this new one, um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say. Uh, I was pers- gonna say the name, but I realized that I think she uses it for password stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we don't want to. Uh, so give please edit that. <laughs> um, well, so. As we get into this conversation about uh, dedication 
with children involving children, however, we're gonna, cause I think we're going to get into some of the weeds about that. What even to call this? Um, but Tony, what is bed baby dedication and like, why do people do it? Where did it come from? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, one might say baby dedication is dry pedo baptism, uh, <laughs> dry baby uh, infant baptism. I'm joking, of course. So, uh, we and kind of not completely, but kind of. So, uh, I, I think it's either publicly affirming a commitment to raise up a child in the Lord, or I think more often than not, to be honest, I think it's an evangelical cute baby photo op. Uh, and, uh, but where did it come from? Actually, it's interesting. Cause like you put that on there and I love church history. I love anything in history. Uh, but it's very, very hard to find where it's from, uh, exactly. But as far as I can tell, really, there's no evidence whatsoever of baby dedication existing prior to the 20th century. So at some point, probably mid 20th century, as far as I could tell, do you know anything more about that? And, or else how would you define baby dedication? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's people dedicating some of their child to the service of the Lord or just, you know, this is this child is God's. Um, I read something yesterday. Now, it was not some, you know, necessarily a, a source dedicated to explaining the history of this, but it was from someone uh, who I'd say is reliable and has some knowledge of church practice and that kind of thing. And it said it was when uh, Bible churches arose in the in the 20th century in America, and so you had pastors with Baptistic beliefs and practices, but then you had these Presbyterians coming into the church, and the Presbyterians were like, well, okay, we can't baptize the kids, so let's do this thing called dedication. Now, I don't know if that's accurate at all. You know, there was no source documenting it. Um, but, yeah, I don't, in my, I mean, you know a whole lot more about church history than I do, but uh, I've never heard of it. Um, so that raises another important question. Uh, is there a biblical basis for it? Nope. Uh, no, I'll <laughs> uh, it's, okay, next know, question. I will say it's not, uh, uh, it's not biblical necessarily, but it's, uh, may not be unbiblical. Uh, you know, so just because it's, I, I don't think that there's a biblical basis for it doesn't mean I think it's unbiblical to do. Uh, there are some passages that people do use a lot. I mean, if you Google biblical basis, you find a lot of uh, arguments people use. People use Exodus thirteen twelve and the uh, dedication of Jesus that kind of correlated with this. Uh, I think a lot of these passages were dedication of the firstborn, which I've never heard of a church banning it <laughs> beyond your firstborn. <laughs> Uh, and clearly had far more to do with uh, the Israeli uh, understanding of the temple than it did have anything to do. I mean, it was sacrificial, essentially. You know, if somebody's bringing, you know, an animal to be killed while they're doing it, maybe that's more more biblical, I guess, but uh, the, not quite what they're going for. So, And Hannah and Samuel is uh, also clearly a unique case. That's cited a lot. Like, you know, Hannah dedicated her son Samuel to the Lord. Uh, but uh, it's really more of a unique case, like to me, like uh, John the Baptist jumping in the womb. And if you know people want to insist on using that, uh, then uh, I'm assuming that the people are planning on leaving their children in the care of the church to be raised up as pastors from their infancy. Uh, but I think for a bit, really, this is all allegorizing the Bible, which is troublesome to me. I mean, do you do you disagree with that, or do you think there's a biblical basis, Ben? Uh, I mean, I don't know that I would go so far as to call it all allegorizing, but I think sometimes maybe looking for just what was recorded and saying, oh, well, that's what we should do. 
Uh, I mean, there are kings in the Old Testament, or at least one, who sacrificed his child to a foreign god for help in a battle. I mean, that's biblical, but that doesn't mean that that's what the text is telling us. We should go follow that example. So, I mean, I think there are some loose things from the Old Testament. But again, like what you said, that it, the dedication of Jesus, well, it was because it was the firstborn, and that was commanded, uh, redeeming of the firstborn, whether it was an animal or a human child. Um, and in the New Testament, I mean, well, particularly post uh, cross and resurrection, and in the letters, there's no there's stuff involving parents and children, but there's not a record that this was done or a direct command to do it. So, yeah, I, I think that to make the case, it's eh, you can't say yes clearly. Scripture intends uh, this is a command for us. I guess best way to put it. As always, Ben's going to have more moderation. I say, as always, Ben's going to have more moderation than Tony in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is true. Um, so, I mean, again, so following up for that, if there's not a direct biblical basis, should we scrap it all together? Um, and if, what, just what kind of biblical and principles of wisdom might apply as we approach something like this. I mean, and this gets into questions about the regulative principle and stuff, which we've talked, we've done an episode on that. I don't, I don't know, within the last year or so. Uh, I think I was sitting in my house when we did that, if I remember correctly. But I mean, there are many things that the the Bible doesn't directly command us to do that we do. Um, And so at what point does wisdom enter in? And we say, well, this is something that's beneficial or no, it's not beneficial. Yeah. So, uh, first, I'm going to kind of answer the second before I answer the first. Uh, I think that this does, as you mentioned, get into the regular principle versus normative principle. And and to give our listeners kind of reminder, uh, as we he mentioned, please listen to that episode again. But the regular principle basically says that the Bible determines what's in our worship service. How, not just that, it basically determines uh, the core of the local church. Uh, what the church is, what it includes, you know, who leads it even. Uh, and then the normative principle just says that the Bible provides a norm and that and anything that the Bible doesn't condemn, we're allowed to do, uh, which obviously the Bible doesn't condemn this. Uh, but most Baptists throughout church history, the vast majority of Baptists, as, along with the vast majority of Presbyterians, have held to the regular principle. Uh, and I think the regular principle is really the reason why Baptists can be Baptist. Uh, but uh, so I think that if one does approach that, I mean, clearly, if it's not in the Bible, you have to reckon with that. Uh, and you have to think about how you're going to respond to that. I think that's an important thing to consider. I, I think another thing uh, that I think often is not brought up in this that I would bring up is uh, is what the Bible talks about with the oaths. Uh, and I know that's, you know, mm. you listeners can read on their own, but James 5.12 and Matthew 5.33-37 through I think shows that we must be super slow with, with oaths. And I mean, I have a hard time seeing this as anything but uh, an oath of some sort. Uh, and my guess is in the vast majority of cases, parents and maybe even the church routinely breaks these kind of oaths that we just make as cute photo ops. 
I, I will say for myself, you know, uh, should we scrap it together? I, I mostly did, we did it for our kids. Uh, I'm my wife uh, was of the conviction it was a good idea, and you know, and I didn't, th- I don't think it's sin. Uh, so I, we went forward with it uh, in the past, but you know, I'm not sure what I would have done in hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. How have you been? Do you think that we should scrap it, or do you think that there's some biblical principles? I think that we should consider why we're doing it, how we're doing it, and all those kind of things. And I think that would help clarify whether a church should, if they are doing it, to continue or if they should start it or stop it. Uh, I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all prescription. I think a lot of times, I mean, it's just precious moments time. Like you said, it's just <laughs> this cute photo op. Um, and again, I mean, we both would agree. Our children are precious. They are a gift from the Lord. But it can just become, oh, look at the our cute baby and the cute little outfit we have. And sometimes maybe churches will give a little tiny Bible or tiny, <laughs> you know, psalms and things like that. And it's just all this, you know, cute stuff. And we just lose focus on what we're doing. Um, and so I would say, no, no, I would not just scrap it out of hand. Um Given the cultural moment and context that we're in, there's an increasing number of parents who weren't raised in the Lord's ways in their home. Even if they went to church, it just was not part of the fabric of of what they were doing. And calling them out of that cultural current could be helpful. Uh, And we'll get into this in a minute, but uh, having some requirements that you have to meet to actually participate in it, I think is really helpful. but we'll we'll dig into that as we go. But uh, I think it can be a good and beneficial and wise thing. But I don't think that it's um, just it's just a clear cut yes or no. Um, well, so Tony, if churches do choose to hold some sort of dedication ceremony, um, whatever we call that, because we can talk about that too, what do you think would be a wise way to go about it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say consider doing it uh, before or after the worship service. Uh, you know, and I, you know, it might be seen as kind of picking hairs, uh, but I, I think the distinction is important. Actually, the church we went to in Kentucky, they uh, would have, because of the regular principle and trying to only do what the Bible says, they kept the announcements until the basically right after before people leave. Uh, people could leave. They announced kind of the service is over, and then they did announcements. Uh, and it might seem nitpicking, but for them it was you know all that here's our worship service, and now we're also giving you guys some announcements as a separate thing. Uh, and maybe that's a wise idea to approach uh, this kind of thing, as it's not you know mentioned at all in the Bible. Uh, I, I think that we should stop lying about biblical precedent uh, or exaggerating. And and that's to me, I I think so many pastors, you know, so many uh, Christian leaders that, you know, know better, you know, have strongly argued that, you know, it's scriptural uh, when it's clearly not. And I think basic hermeneutics would would go against that. And I think also don't shame those who avoid it. Uh, You know, I don't think there should ever be a a mentality that somebody who doesn't do it because they don't feel convicted to is doing anything wrong. Uh, I I think maybe also if you do it, and I've been told that at least one church does this, spoiler alert, uh, require parents to attend something or maybe receive biblical uh, parental counseling before if you're going to do it. 
um, and make it, uh, and really, I think it should be made more into a parent dedication and not a child dedication, which I think that's one thing that my, my uh, lead pastor to church, I was at before, you know, he always super stressed, you know, this is, we're dedicating really the parents more than the child there. So what are, what are your thoughts on that, Ben? Well, I, I liked what you said. Um, I have heard of churches that do, uh, other than yours, I, I didn't realize it was the church you've been part of, but I read about a church that they, and I don't even think they held it in the, you know, the main room, I don't like calling it sanctuary, but you know what I'm talking about, um, where, you know, the church normally gathered. It was held in some other location in the church, and it was done in the afternoon, and it was a thing that where the parents who were participating in this could invite select people, and so then it was just those people that these families had invited, and they sort of participated in that together, but it was not part of the, the regular worship service. And I don't remember if their reasoning for it, if it had to do with you know, convictions about what could be part of the public gathering. Um, but I, I do definitely uh, favor having some sort of requirements, such as a class teaching instruction beforehand. I think it shows a level of commitment, and it's not just, uh, hey, this is cute, let's take a picture, and we can put it on. And now that we have uh, social media, we can plaster it all over the place <laughs> and, uh, you know, do sharenting. Um I think now our church does not do a special ceremony, though it's something I would consider is because we're actually getting ready for this. Um, currently, we are teaching a class, uh, and it's a four-week class, so it's not just a one-time thing. And the church was doing this before I got here, and I really liked it, and so we've continued it. Um, it's um, sorry, that was a long pause there. Um, it, it's. What what we're covering is God's purposes for parenting, His priorities for our parenting, um, His provisions for it, and then just trying to put that all together, trying to make some kind of action plan, setting a God-oriented direction for the home, um, so that when you're committing yourself to raise your children in the, the discipline and the nurture and instruction of the Lord, like Ephesians 6, 4 says, and that's often... Uh, so often used as a part of those ceremonies that it really does mean something. And we started this, I think the last time we did it, that when people respond, you know, they make these promises, I will. I think I got this from the Book of Common Prayer, but I mean, it's, they use it with baby baptism, but um, there's a, a line, it's, we will with God's help. And I, I mean, it's it's calling out on God's grace. Um, but those kinds of things I think are helpful to to consider as you go forward and not just making it, hey, if you want to do it, show up on this Sunday. Um, well, Tony, what kind of opportunities do you think might arise when, if you do offer some type of dedication and, and other things like you're talking about with some kind of uh, counseling or instruction yeah. that may accompany it? Yeah. So one thing I, I think is it's worth acknowledging that lost family members absolutely do come for this kind of thing. I mean, that is like, I mean, it's kind of a known thing that lost family members will come to see, you know, even if it's to get the precious moments picture, I mean, they'll come to church. They'll, they potentially hear the gospel through it. So, uh, and that's worth noting. Uh, it, I think also provides a platform to claim the urgency of parental discipleship in a way that people will potentially actually listen to it. 
Uh, and I think it also provides an opportunity for pastors in the churches, local churches to support members, even um, less seen members of the church to kind of come alongside them and support them if possible. Uh, I mean, that doesn't, to me, doesn't mean overtly that we should do it, but I think those are perhaps some opportunities if you happen to do it. Um, it, it can be an opportunity for ministry. Uh, absolutely. And I've, I'll mention this, the name of this resource at the end, but something I was reading in preparation for what we're doing, uh, it talked about the opportunity to, they do it on two consecutive Sundays and they make it a big deal. And it's, they, church actually sends out invitations. Um, and so it's a way of trying to get lost people into the church, uh, because people are often like, Oh, it's for your baby. Okay. I'll come. And actually we have a, a couple in our church that's, that's getting ready to do this. And they are, we're asking about the date because they have a friend who is not a Christian who has shown interest and who also, uh, is having a baby herself. And they wanted to try to, to, if they could arrange it to, that they could participate in this before the ladies' due date because they wanted her to to come and to hear the gospel. And I mean, I think they were, you know, they have already presented the gospel themselves to her. But um, anyways, it's encouraging to see that. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah. Um, so, do you see any problems or danger with just this all call mentality that you know? posting it in the church newsletter or social media or whatever, just saying, hey, if you know, you've got a baby and you want to come dedicate, um, or just people that have some kind of general connection to the church coming and participating? Yeah, I would. So I, um, I, and this, yeah, I'm going to go to uh, a variety of things. Uh, I, I think that uh, essentially you're pushing them to lie when you do this. Uh, I know that, you know, that's some strong words, but I think it's true that when you make it kind of an all call, you're kind of pressuring them that, you know, uh, the reality is most of these parents are not going to take seriously this task. And you're pushing them, you know, either they feel ostracized or, you know, they effectively lie in front of the church uh, for the sake of a cute picture. Uh, and I think it also, it, like, uh, unfortunately, like infant baptism, it leads to, or baptizing too young people, it leads to false assurance and kind of really wrong notions of church membership. Where, you know, not just for the sake of the kid, but, you know, people that are kind of in the periphery of the church that aren't haven't taken the dive into church membership, uh, I think it almost implies that there's a, a stamp of approval that there should not be there yet for the sake of guarding and watching out for their souls. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I see some big problems with just the, you know, hey, whoever shows up and this will be great and that's wonderful, all these babies. Um, I mean, it just ends up making a mockery out of it. Like you said, the people taking an oath, basically, and breaking that. Um, I think there have been plenty of people who have participated in those kinds of ceremonies who have little idea what it means to raise their kids mm -hmm. in the Lord's ways, and they really don't have much intention of doing it. Um, maybe they're just trying to make mom or grandma happy. Maybe they just want everyone to see their baby. Um, there can be all kinds of motives for it. But uh, I, I do see it harmful. And that's something like we have, uh, we reserve it for people who are part of our church um, members, uh, trying to help guard against that. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you get into some pastoring kind of situations with that. And sometimes people don't, they're not always happy about those things. Um, 
Yeah, you know, so we could extend think- even wider. I heard of a church that did a, uh, uh, like, for baby dedication, they allowed a family that, families that have, like, dogs, dog moms and dog dads to dedicate their dogs to the Lord in that way, so. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> it was oh, a while ago. I, I just, <laughs> uh, well, a friend of mine was uh, dating this this lady, and they were trying to find a church that they could both agree on, I guess. They were raised kind of differently and find a church where they could both benefit. And so they went to this church that was from a different tradition than you and I are um, familiar with. And that day they happened, they weren't doing, you know, dog mom dedications, but they were doing a blessing of the pets, which I've seen churches do before. Or, I mean, I've like heard of, not like participated in. And uh, he said it was really hard to take it serious <laughs> that they were blessing the pets. But um, anyway, that that would be – I would have a big problem. I think I would just get up and walk out uh, if that was happening. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure. So <laughs> um, should church leaders ever discourage parents from participating or outright just say, no, I'm sorry, you can't do this? Yeah, that's a good question. So, yes and no. Uh, I think that they should do this, and they should indeed discourage it by imposing universal requirements that, you know, I mean, like the requirements that your church has, that you attend, you know, a parenting discipleship thing. Uh, We absolutely should make, you know, set the bar high if people are going to be doing this in front of the church. Uh, But I think if we ever target anyone, uh, if any churches ever target anyone saying we don't want you to do it, uh, even if they've been willing to put in the efforts, I think we become guilty of some degree of partiality. So I would say that not like individually, but I think through these kind of requirements. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, if you set the requirements, then then that's I think that's helpful and it helps prevent you from playing favorites and showing partiality. Um, I think if, if someone's just not even a part of your church, it's one thing if they're in the process of joining the church and maybe the final T's have not been crossed. Um, but if they're not a part of the church or they're living in open rebellion to God, it's very obvious, um, or they're barely attending and participating in the life of the church, I think those may be, depending on the situation, you know, you would discourage them from doing that or maybe outright say, no, I'm just this is not this is not the time. Now, maybe you help work them towards the time when, if they really do want to do that. Um, but again, people can want to participate in this f- for all kinds of reasons. And so, uh, it, it, I think it does take wisdom. Yeah. Well, and you, you alluded to this earlier, but should parents feel bad or guilty if they don't participate in some kind of dedication ceremony for their children? No, I mean, I I definitely think the answer to that is no. Uh, And uh, we need to, I think, educate the church accordingly, that there should be no shame, there should be no guilt towards those who don't do this. Uh, I think sometimes that does happen. It's funny because, you know, I've known of contexts where parents that did not do dedication were kind of shunned uh, when they were the ones that were more dedicated actually discipling their kids. I, I think that they should feel bad if they become jerks about it. I will say that. I mean, I think that it's unnecessary to be divisive over this. What do you think? 
Right, something that's not stated in the Bible. I mean, it's like translations of the Bible or something, and how people can make a big, huge issue about that. I mean, it's it's just not founded. Um, and I would agree with you. you know, this not participating in some kind of ceremony itself, you should not feel guilty uh, if the Bible has not told us directly to do that. Now, if you're not raising your children in the Lord's ways, then yes, you should feel guilty about that. Um, if you are not in practice committing yourself to that, then that's a problem. Um, and that command in Ephesians 6, 4, that's not a one-time thing. That's an ongoing kind of thing. Yeah. So what, what if someone really does want to do that and you know, their church doesn't offer any kind of dedication ceremony? Should they seek to go to somebody else's church, maybe their parents or their aunt or their friends and, and participate in a ceremony there? I think doing that would set a dangerous precedent for your family. I, I think I, I would unequivocally say this would be wise, unwise rather. So I think that would be a deeply foolish decision to do. Uh, and I think that it treats churches as kind of a, you know, a, a um, uh, like a buffet, you know, where you take from this there and that from there, uh, especially over something that is not remotely addressed in the Bible. Uh, I think you should if you if your church doesn't offer it or doesn't offer in the way that you do. Uh, we're not good with conflict in America, but feel free to talk to your church leaders about it. I mean, really, if you feel that this is something that would be wise, uh, have the boldness to talk to your church leaders uh, individually or even together. Uh, but I think I would say pretty clearly you need to submit in this as they're absolutely not being unbiblical if they do not offer something like that. What do you think about that, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you that it's not something to pursue. Um, I mean, I wouldn't get to the point of saying you're in sin, but I think it would be very unwise to do. First off, you're not a part of that church, and so um, – you're not there with them. You're not committed to following Jesus with this particular group of people. Not that you can't love them in Christ, but you just don't have the same level of obligations and uh, connectedness. So you're not a part of that church, and you're uh, you're making promises in front of people that you're not partnering with, and who may also then be making a promise back to you to pray for your children or to help teach your children the Lord's ways, and. It, like you said, it's not biblically commanded. Uh, and so you just have to ask the question, what are you accomplishing in doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of makes it a sacramental kind of activity where you think that you know grace is being received by you or the elder or whatever, how that works out, um, that you have to do this. And I do, I do like what you said about talking to the pastors. And I would say even just trust your pastors if – and if it's it rises to the level in your conscience that we just we can't we can't partner with these people because they're just not committed to walking the Lord's ways. I mean, I think you'd be wrong, but I mean, if it's that high of a level issue, talk to them. And then, I mean, if you really just have to move on, then do that. But um, I would really discourage someone from trying to find a new church just over that issue. Um, Look at what they're doing with the families and the children in their church um, to help partner with them, to teach them how to walk in the Lord's ways, rather than do they do this one particular thing that's often done when, when children are very small. Um, yeah. So kind of as we wrap this up, are there any resources that you have found helpful on this to- topic or things that you would recommend people to 
look at as they're thinking about this, whether to participate or have it or stop it or... Yeah, that was kind of a tough question I thought things through. Uh, <laughs> that I will say one resource I actually did think about in this, and it might seem disconnected, was a Church Membership by Jonathan Lehman. It's a short little book. Uh, and I think that that's just helpful to understand what the church is and our connection is to it. Uh, and I think that needs to frame this kind of thought pattern. Uh, as well as I, there was a really good article uh, from Gospel Coalition on baby dedication that I probably include in the footnotes for this, as well as another article on ninemarks.org. Uh, had a really great article uh, that on why New Testament policy, polity, like what New Testament says about the church, should be prescriptive and should decide what you include and don't include in the worship service. So I'll include those in the show notes. Uh, what do, you, do you have any better resources, I assume, than me, Ben? Um, well, I don't want to say that they're better. I would say I, I do have one that's more directly related to the topic, though I have read the church membership book. Um, actually, I've got a couple on my shelf over here that I'm trying to give away to people because uh, it is a good little book, and uh, it's not a, a long read. <clears throat> but there is a – I guess it's a booklet, but it's, it's I think only available in an ebook format. But it's called Before the Lord – before the church, and it's by Megan and Jared Kennedy, which Jared Kennedy has been on the podcast before talking about catechism. I don't know if he still is one of the pastors on, on staff at uh, Sojourn Church no, he's in not. Louisville. He's uh, not. I know he's got some sort of family ministry yeah. uh, thing going on, training and stuff like that. But anyway, um, that is a helpful book, and it, it's a very easy read. It's something that they made for their uh, the church that he at least was a part of and probably yeah. still is, um, they have a church planning network where they're training church planters and this kind of thing. And it's something to help people think about that. And he even admits that, yeah, I can't point to a chapter and verse on this. Um, they saw it as something wise. And then they even give uh, devotions that you could have uh, or Bible studies that you could have people participating in some kind of class do, uh, as well as giving some ideas about thinking about the ceremony, uh, trying to evangelize, all, all kinds of things. And so um, it may be, especially if you're thinking about doing it, I think it would be a good resource. And I think you can get it for free or very cheap uh, on this Sojourn Network website. I can't remember exactly what it is, but if you just Google Sojourn Network, uh, it should come up. Lots of good resources there in general. Yeah, I got a couple from there, and um, they have thought through things well from a biblical perspective and with some wisdom. So, um, so check that out. But anyway, I hope this conversation proves helpful as people consider this. And it, it was fresh for me, just as we're in the middle of this class for the parents. And there's uh, the Lord blessed our, our church with a number of babies in the past year, year and a half, and so. Um, just thinking through those things, and I was like, hey, we've never done a, a talk on this. And so I, I figured we would have some level of disagreement on this, but uh, I think this was a fruitful conversation. So thanks for discussing with me, Tony. Amen. And, Amen. Uh, Is there anyone you'd like to dedicate this podcast to, though, Ben? Uh, I, Tony, I want to dedicate it to you, the one and the only Anthony <laughs> Trussoni. <laughs> Sounds good. Have a good day, Ben. <laughs> you too. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.